Hello and welcome to episode one of season seven of the Salopcast, the 2022-2023 season, Ollie. We're back uh, into July, start of July, so it was a good time to come back, mate. And um, yeah, how are you feeling? Uh, you know, we've only really had about a month and a half off. Last podcast we did was the 9th of May, so, um, you know, we're now we're now here on the 3rd of July. But a couple of months off away from football, what have you been up to, Ollie? Feeling refreshed? Yeah, feeling good. Um, yeah, lots of furniture and stuff arrived for the house, so that's good. <laughs> Um, yeah, Benji's now eating solid food and is like, yeah, growing and growing in personality. So that's a lot of fun. Cool. Um, he's sleeping much better now. He slept from 7am to 8am this morning. I accidentally set an alarm, <laughs> set an alarm to wake up. Um, but it was one that you use for work and it wouldn't come on the weekend. So that was quite funny. Um, so yeah, a bit late up this morning, but no good. And also handed in my notice at work. So yeah, I'm off to Mars. All change, yeah. You're off to Mars, uh, <laughs> the company, not the planet, Ollie. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, haven't driven you that mad that you're going to leave the planet yet. But um, yeah, no, it's been. It's I think like most people, isn't it? And especially with us, we we put a lot of time and effort into this podcast, and obviously being Shrewsbury Town fans across the season, and just getting a, a couple of months off, it gives you time to breathe and, and step away from things, and you know, look at your other passions in life, maybe that kind of get neglected at times. So um, yeah, I've had quite a relaxing couple of months really. I went to cricket, went to watch a test match yesterday, which was good, and doing various other bits and bobs, buying tickets for concerts and uh, yeah just generally doing a lot of work as well Ollie that doesn't go away does it in the summer unfortunately our, our main jobs but um, yeah it's good to be back mate and seven seasons now Ollie reflections on that you know it, do you think we reached this far well we didn't really know we didn't really have any <laughs> sad expectations when we first started did we it was just no. kind of like we just started and yeah we're overwhelmed by the number of people listened to the first episode and we've kind of gone from there and yeah it's it's been a lot of fun um, it's good obviously having all the interaction with the fans online and stuff that's just good um, and yeah, it's been an, an enjoyable journey so far. Uh, and you know, back again. Um, I do I do find it a little bit funny people talking about oh, we've got so many episodes and stuff of other podcasts, and we'll probably do what forty or something. Um, Generally, so, yeah. yeah, it's a long old season. Um, but yeah, looking forward to a new one, and hopefully, um, hopefully, it's going to be a lot more fun than last season, Glenn. Um, yeah. And also talking to work, Glenn, you definitely seem to work a lot harder these days than you used to. <laughs> you seem to miss a lot of rumours and a lot of stuff in the day these days because you're too busy working. Well, yeah, as, as a high-flying executive, Ollie, my job has, has started to get more uh, stressed as I go on in life. But um, there we go. I'm, I still will find... I think uh, one of the things I often find myself doing is a lot more work in the summer on the principle that, you know, maybe I can be a little bit more relaxed during the season then and keep on top of things. But um, I'm sure that's not the case. Yeah, I've been very busy at work. It's one of those things. But no one wants to hear me talk about that. I, I think it's quite funny. Uh, talking about podcasts, Ollie, I should just say one of the things that I kind of went to that I don't think we picked up in the end of season um, reviews and stuff because it happened afterwards. But the, the In The Stiffs Live event um, that happened at St Mary's Church um, so I went to that should just say you know for anyone that wasn't there um, it was a fantastic event and I think it's the, the first they're going to do of a few of them so that was another th- good thing I've done in the sort of break it was good to hear kind of Mickey Brown and Dean Spink and Ian Sharp's stories although poor old Ian Sharp's was left a little bit in the middle because Dean Spink and um, Mickey Brown's stories in the early 90s were a little bit more <laughs> entertaining than some of, some of the sort of more straight laced football uh, sort of history that Ian Sharp's had had but yeah great night to be fair and um, yeah, I hope they do it again it was, it was a good laugh to be fair so there's been all sorts going on in the summer isn't there you still get your shoes town fix yeah plenty going on and mm. obviously pre-season has started with a bang yeah um, but before we kind of get to pre-season we're gonna what we're gonna cover on this podcast we're gonna cover just go over who left um deals that were done and then fortunately glenn we had some new transfers because we were debating when we when we were going to start and we decided well there's no <laughs> point starting for a while yet um i don't think um, it's fair to say you expected the week that we've just had 
No, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, before we get into the context of kind of now we've come back because a lot's been gone on, you know, obviously there was a little bit of a worry, wasn't there, that we went a lot of time between Shipley signing and, and then the, the new signings on the on the first day of the transfer window and no news on kits, no news on new season ticket cards, no news on, you know, pre-season particularly and it was all a bit quiet, wasn't it? And I think there was a... I think as fans, we probably were fair to worry because of what happened last summer, Ollie. You know, the three pre-season games coming in undercooked, looking with a squad that wasn't completely finished. Um, so I don't think it was unfair of Shoestown fans to be starting to have a little bit of a worry at the back of your mind. But yeah, this week's definitely righted a lot of wrongs in the squad. Um, we've obviously finalised a pre-season and, and headed off to start doing it. And um, yeah, more news to come on some of the other issues. So it's definitely uh, it's definitely a good time to come back now. I wouldn't wanted to have recorded a podcast this week if we hadn't have signed any players and we're <laughs> heading off to Qatar with, a, with the squad that we had beforehand but um, yeah definitely some significant improvements isn't there and yeah a good chance to come back and talk about it yeah I think that's a good point to cover off um, you know if we hadn't signed those players and obviously it's ifs and buts we would have gone to yeah. um, Spain with 12 first team players which <laughs> isn't really enough is it to do a decent pre-season and that's where no. the concern was and, and the concern was kind of backed up wasn't it by last summer where we people talk about this, this squad and we uh, Cotra likes a small squad I don't think anyone can criticise a small squad but to describe last season as a small squad, I think would be incorrect. Last year was an inadequate squad. It was a tiny, tiny squad. Yeah. Um, and yeah, fingers crossed. Um, they've kind of learned a little bit from last season. Hopefully um, with pre-season um, and having a whole season to kind of really think about what they want. And they've had plenty of time to prepare. Um, and it does seem that they've hit the ground running this summer. Yeah, we'll get to the new players in a minute, but I totally agree with you. You know, let's let's compare a small squad this season to a small squad last season. The difference you want to see is, yeah, we might not have big numbers in the squad still, um, but you want to know that there's cover, and it looks to be like with you know a Bennett and a, and a Nurse. Um, obviously, they can play quite a few positions, can't they? Even Leahy, um, which we've seen last season. So we've got that flexibility for cover when people are out. But what we needed was. You know some players in positions we simply didn't have, like a number ten and and some of the other roles that maybe we filled. So yeah, you, you know, we probably will still go with this. But was that squad. was also Glenn as well? The fact that you know you go to a game, you look at the bench and you're like, well, exactly. Yeah. Sam Cosgrove and Leshabella on the bench and a couple of kids. It's like, yeah, what what what, what are you going to do? And even games where we went down to ten men, we only made like one sub, which is yeah. quite unheard of, and which just says how. But that's the past. The future looks <laughs> a lot more positive. Um, so yeah, be we'll cover off the players that left. But yeah, some interesting new sign-ins. Yeah, let's get into the next section. Let's have a look at who left and where they've gone and, and, and what we're doing. Pierre Cummings. This is Aaron Pierre from distance. Finds the corner in the 89th minute. Is that the goal that sets up the tie with Liverpool in the fourth round? What a story this could be. So at the end of last season, we had the manager had a bit of a clear out, didn't he? Didn't offer mm-hmm. um, play, um, contracts to these players. So Ebanks left, Daniels left, um, Davis left, Gregory left, and Pierre left, and Worley left. Um, as we know, um, we offered deals to Bennett and Vella. Um, Vella didn't stay. Um, Bennett has, which is obviously good news. Um, but yeah, we've, some of these players have fan clubs already, Glenn. That's the interesting thing, isn't it? Yeah, now obviously like us making lots of signings this week with players going back to pre-season and contracts aspiring at the, the 30th of June. Quite a few of these players have, have landed um, clubs already, really. So it's, it's interesting where they've ended up for people who've not sort of spotted so far this summer. But yeah, Ethan Ebanks-Landell's taken a step down to League 2 to play for Rochdale, which interesting one for him. I, I thought he might have been League 1 standard still. Um, he probably is. But um, yeah, must have got a good deal there. And, and that's a pretty good sign for Rochdale, who finished like, I think about 14th, 15th in League 2 last season. So yeah, decent decent move for them. Um, but uh, yeah, he's getting a bit older now, I suppose. Time to, to, to step down and challenge himself a little bit less, maybe. I don't know. Um, 
Josh Daniels uh, has not left Shropshire, interestingly, Ollie. He has signed for TNS recently. I think it was this week as well. So clearly enjoying living here. Not quite ready to go back to Ireland, maybe. So um, good chance to play European football for him, isn't it? Um, and, uh, you know, stay local and maybe <clears throat> keep with some other friendship groups that he might have developed here with even some of our players. Who knows? But, um, yeah, he's not gone as far as we might have thought there, really, Daniels, has he? Uh, I, think, I, think, I think it says a lot, doesn't it, when a player goes to a certain level. Yeah. Um, you've got Ebanks Landor going to, um, you know, a, a decent league, uh, league two side, probably got aspirations mm-hmm. to get back into League One. Um, yeah, you've got Davis gone to Forest Green in League One. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, Daniels goes to the Welsh League. I think that says a little bit maybe about his options. I don't know. Maybe he had options mm. in League One and League Two. I don't know. But, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where he goes after this in terms yeah. of his level. But, yeah, good luck to him. Obviously, he did play a lot of games for Shrewsbury in his favourite position. So maybe yeah. it's unfair. But, yeah, I'm not surprised he's gone to that level. Yeah. And then, yeah, you just mentioned this three of our ex-players who left last season who have got fixed up or potentially got fixed up at League One clubs. We'll, we'll cover that now. But... So Dave Davis has just mentioned there is signed for Forest Green Rovers, which is an interesting move for him. I think obviously coming up into League One, Forest Green probably after a little bit of League One experience and he certainly brings buckets of that and championship experience. So probably a decent signing for them, I think. Um, Sean Wally played for Accrington in pre-season yesterday, was not named as a trialist. Um, they did have trialists in the team, but was named as Sean Wally. But no announcement he's actually signed for Accrington, although I suspect that is pretty much a done deal, Ollie. Um, and then Vela, obviously, after the contract issues, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a moment, um, off to Fleetwood in League One as well. So we're going to come across potentially three of those ex-players. The only other two, I should just mention, uh, you mentioned, Pierre still not fixed up with a club, so we might come across him in League One. Wouldn't be surprised if he got fixed up somewhere. And Cameron Gregory, just for anyone who didn't know, um, young goalkeeper who got released, he stepped down to the non-league and is, is going to be playing for Kettering Town next year. So, yeah, interesting to see there's this three of the lads who are going to come across Ollie. Um, you always think as a Town fan they're guaranteed to get a goal, don't you? Um, and it, it might be quite a, a sickener if uh, Wally ends up scoring against us. But uh, I don't know, maybe we'll get a round of applause because he maybe didn't get that send-off he would have wanted. But, um, yeah, interesting. We're going to maybe come across Wally particularly of those three. Yeah, we'll come across um, Wally, won't we? Um, and obviously Davison in League One as well. I think... Yeah, Davis interesting signing for Forest Green. That makes sense. Worley, great player, legend of Shrewsbury Town. Um, I just don't think that with this small squad, we can afford to pay wages on players that are not going to be um, that fit the system perfectly. Um, so I think that's that's fair. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see. And obviously, there's a, the other guy who made an interesting decision. Um, obviously, that's a freely for him to do it. It's fine. Um, obviously, it doesn't look great for the club um, that a player said they were going to sign and then changed their mind. Yeah, and it doesn't look great for the club when they put a statement out saying, after discussions yesterday, I'm delighted that we've agreed a new deal with Josh. Well, we've agreed a new deal with him, <laughs> but it wasn't signed, was it, Ollie? So we looked a little bit of a, a bit of foolish there, I think, uh, in retrospect. And um, But I don't know. It, it seemed to put quite a lot of town fans' backs up at the time. I think I was a bit kind of annoyed by the whole thing because, I don't know, you, you give these players a little bit of loyalty, don't you? But deep down... As we've talked about a lot of times before, there's no real loyalty in the game anymore, is there? And um, yeah, you know, would we both move to, well, you've just moved jobs probably for more money, Ollie, who knows? But, um, you know, people move around in their career, don't they? And it's particularly in football, you can't be too sniffy about it when the dust settles. But um, I don't know, a little bit of a kind of annoying way it happened. And I think there's a, a longer term context on Vela with the whole, I'm in the shop window in January and then being crap all the rest of the end of the season. You know, that left a little bit of a sour taste in people's mouths. I think that people think now when, when he did this, he was never going to stay and, and maybe he didn't put his heart and soul into the end of the season and I think that's another thing that maybe leaves a, a few fans a little bit cold Ollie. I think the fact that he told the manager he was going to say and then 
change his mind is not you know it's nothing like something I've never done. Um, but yeah, you move you move companies for yeah better a better role or more money or whatever. You why, why people you know obvious reasons people move jobs. I've got nothing. I'm, I don't think I'm going to boo him. Or I'm not going to. I certainly won't boo Josh Feller. I think he he did all right for us. You know, he, he played. Yeah, he didn't end the season amazingly, but overall, he always worked hard. Um, you know, and he's he's made a yeah. decision. He's got signing for an exciting young manager, um, a bit closer to home, and probably can take maybe take his kids to school or something like that. Um, and li- those little things sometimes are quite important to people. So I'm not gonna. I don't. I don't. It's a little bit annoying how it happened, um, but I, I've got no uh, hard feelings about Josh Feller. Good luck to him. No, and if he recovers his better form again, you know, you said that's a good sign for a Fleetwood, wouldn't you? You know, a good one of our leading players at times, um, and a player, you know, Fleetwood are kind of a club who are in and around us most seasons, aren't they? So, I think you know they're probably going to be quite happy to get that job 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 done over the line and, and get him into the club. So, yeah, interesting. Um, we move on, don't we? They're, they're all gone now. Um, it's uh, we won't be re-signing Davis this season <laughs> any by any point. So, no. but Pierre Pierre's still not signed actually, up. Just so actually, just on know. the Vela thing, actually, something cough. Yeah, sorry, I just wanted to mention Glenn about Vela is um I think it's part of the concern about Vela was was the fear of not replacing him. Yeah. And that I think that added a little bit of power or a bit of a bit of a catalyst into the discussion. Um so I think that was something that was a bit of a worry as well. We've certainly done that as we'll get to in a minute. So um yeah, there we go. Players out. I, you know, overall Ollie, um you know, when you look at that list, it's not a huge amount of, of people leaving, is it really, I suppose, in terms of it? But we didn't have that many to, <laughs> to get rid of in the first place. But, yeah, I, I guess the proof is in the pudding, isn't it, if you can adequately replace players, yeah. as you just mentioned there. So, yeah, no, nothing too much more to say on that one, Ollie. No, no, that's fine. And then, yeah, and players that we had last season have signed new terms. Um, so Bennett signed an extra deal. Bloxham signed a longer-term deal. That's a really big one. I'm sure you're pleased about that one. Brilliant. Harry, yeah. Harry the Hitman Burgoyne has um, stayed a bit longer as well. And we signed quite a few youngsters. I don't think we've got time to go through all the youngsters today. So I think let's save that for a later pod. Um, but, yeah, what's your view on um, the three Bs, Bennett, Bloxham and Burgoyne? Uh, Bennett clearly had a great season last year. Really good to get him signed up again. His flexibility at right back or central midfield will probably play a little bit more into his season this year, I think, than it did last year due to the kind of um, imbalance of the squad. So really glad we've kept him on board. You know, it's always nice to have players who are kind of local. So um, yeah, kind of works for all parties, doesn't it? I think he's only extended for a year, hasn't he, Ollie? I think off the top of my head. So you know, no real risk there for yeah, us. Yeah, he's back um, for a year. Yeah, in terms of his age, um, and no, you know, gives him options next year if he wants to do something similar to maybe what Davis has done. So yeah, that works out as a deal. I think really well for the club. I can't imagine he's costing us much more than he was before, so that's all good. Yeah, the key one is Bloxham, isn't it? You know, keeping a, a youth prospect who's clearly had a good first breakthrough season last year. We can't say he didn't do well. Um, scored that over at volley and, and contributed in a number of other situations as well, didn't he? So it's going to be good to see how he develops again. I'm hoping in the move around with you know bringing another striker in, he doesn't get a little bit lost in the pack. That would be a bit unfortunate. But um, I think when we're playing that kind of tactic we played last year of you know sort of three attacking players, he's going to still get plenty of opportunities, isn't he? So yeah, definitely going to be good to see him develop um, and and keep him on board for for a bit longer. Yeah, and also key one for a club like Shrewsbury, protect your investment. Um, and Burgoyne, yeah, I mean simple enough in it. You know he he wants to be happy to stay as a backup goalkeeper. Morosi's pretty bulletproof, doesn't he? Barely misses a game. Um, and obviously we've got uh, Jaden Bevan is the other young keeper that we've got on books next season. So, um, yeah, just nice to have that kind of buffer between a Bevan and a, and a Morosi, isn't it really? A little bit of um, experience. So that, that works well for him, I suppose, as, well, as again, as a local lad, it works well for us. So good, good. See, all three of these good. Um, and I say, yeah, younger players, I don't think we should cover just yet. Um, mainly for a few reasons. The club have still not announced 
who was actually released from last year's youth crop. And they haven't actually announced who's been brought in either. And we're not talking about professional footballers, but it might be nice to cover kind of the youth team and what's happened with contracts from youth to professional as well at a later date. But um, I need that football. I need that information for the football manager database. So I've been chasing it. So when we get it, we will <laughs> we will probably bring it on the podcast maybe before the, the club have put anything out about it. So um, yeah, be interesting to see what's kind of happened with youth players and who's there and knocking around still. So yeah, all in all, I, you know, can't yeah, really disagree funny. with... with funny on youth players as well. Um, and one of the players' dad messaged me asking why his son wasn't in the my little um, little um, diagram of the team I do. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think part of the trouble that we have is Glenn is that we we don't know how close they are to the first team. So when we do that graphic, it's a first team squad. Um, so for example, there was a quote um, from I don't know if it was the manager or Longwell saying that um, um, that Craig and the centre back will be near the first team. So I think we need a little bit of input from the, the club of how close these players are to the first team to know um, yeah, whether they're going to be involved or not. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they get on. It's good that we've got them, um, but with Cotter, you never know. Are they, are they just are they just there to keep the, just make the squad and the bench look a bit more respectable or have they got a genuine chance of playing? Um, and I guess that will be, we'll find that out as the season goes along. Mm. And they are, you know, the ones that have signed the new contracts, uh, professional contracts, are professional footballers now. You know, they are different to being a yep. youth, youth player, aren't they? So maybe we should be including but them. Caton, on, on, I always yeah. think of Caton. How many miles did that poor lad do on the bus? <laughs> well, yeah, how many more is he going to do next year without getting too much football either? You do worry, don't you, considering there's probably four strikers in the pecking order ahead of him now. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. We can't prejudge what's going to happen yet. He might get, he might have his breakthrough season for all we know. Um, you know, it might be Rogers esque. Um, you never know. But yeah, you know, it, overall kind of retain the kind of players we would have wanted to I still would have wanted to retain Vela but as, as we discussed that didn't happen but um, yeah for the ones that we offered it I think for the for the deals that were done um, yeah good good stuff you know particularly Bennett and Bloxham I think that's going to stand us in good stead this season yeah it's good to keep some players as well isn't it and you know talking about the goalkeepers it's nice to not have to think about your goalkeeper and yeah obviously there's going to be some continuity there Flanagan mm. Pennington Morosi Bennett, Nurse, there's a lot of um, lot of commonality there, a lot of understanding, um, which will help, I think, um, you know, bedding the new guys. But also, you know, goalkeepers quite a funny position. You know, most seasons we've been doing the podcast, and we've been talking about lone goalkeepers. Um, so it's quite nice to have Morosi this season, isn't it? You know, already in place yep. already. Fingers crossed he doesn't go anywhere. Don't think that's going to happen now. Um, but yeah, it's really good to have him, have him in place. It's it's funny, isn't it? In the you know Morosi, where's Morosi from? I can't remember what country he's from now. He's, he's somewhere in the in the Balkans or something, wasn't it? I can't quite remember now. But um, yeah, you know he's our first choice goalkeeper from you know quite a long way away. But our both our backup goalkeepers are lads born and raised in Shropshire, which is quite nice, isn't it? Really, in some respects. So um, you know, we've got our international goal goalkeeper being backed up by a couple of lads from Ludlow and um from from the Meal Brace area, which is which is cool, I think. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm you know me, I'm always glad to kind of have local lads in and amongst the team, um, whether they're sort of older lads who've come back like um like Burgoyne or uh, or younger lads like Bevan coming through so yeah good to see I think for for local opportunities yeah it's good to get those kids going through hopefully we have a few more minutes on the pitch yeah yeah something to keep an eye on as we go through the season yep and then the big one Ollie the big one which has been players coming in um obviously Shipley quite a while ago and then for this week Ollie so I don't know quite an exciting array of five players to have a little talk about here mate I've got to be honest with you um in terms of you know continuing well, I think the overall view for me uh, I don't know where you probably wouldn't disagree with this is that we talked a lot didn't we about Steve Crotchwell's recruitment you know working with Brian and, and Bert as well 
there's definitely uh, an approach by Steve Cottrell to bring in quality, but not quantity. And, you know, maybe that'll change over the course of this summer. But certainly when you look at the names of these five players, their experience, their history um, and, you know, where, where they're kind of coming from. This does continue the, the pres- well presumed quality. We haven't seen them play yet, but it does seem to kind of follow that quality approach because these are five players that maybe we would have struggled to get some of these at times in the past um i'll be honest with you so interesting that, that we've kind of gone this way um and yeah def- definitely seems to be yeah that, that quality about them yeah before we kind of dive into the players for me there's kind of two themes um, mm. i think among one more of these players is one is um not, neither of them really played a lot of minutes last season true so that's quite consistent between them all. And also, um, they have all played in the championship. Yeah, yeah. Um, which I think is quite telling. You know, we haven't signed anyone so far this season from League um, League Two or below. Um, and that's something also was quite common last season as well. We haven't signed, we haven't dipped down to a lower level. So, yeah, we're obviously taking, um, obviously, all these players have got a little bit to prove, which I imagine mm. is something that Steve Cottrell likes. You know, he talks about having the right players. Um, but yeah, like I say, we talked about Jordan Shipley already. You know, he's got he's got something to prove now. He's been a commentary all his career. He's now coming to Shrewsbury. First time he's been at a different club. Um, and I'm sure, you know, he's he's only 24, Glenn. Um, he's got plenty of time left. He could easily go and play in the championship again. So yeah, we're signing players that obviously you'd hope have you know, better ability and more technically, you know, technically and better and stronger than some of the players we've let go, um, but also players that have got something to prove, which I think is quite interesting. And yeah, Jordan Shipley signed on a three-year deal, um, undisclosed fee, so we actually paid some money for him. Um, interesting player. Um, when he he did well, he was key for Coventry in the team when they yep. were going up back up through the leagues. Um, scored a few goals, had some assists, um, pretty good numbers, and also played a lot of games. Those Glenn, so he played nearly two thousand five minutes in League Two, and then over two thousand minutes in the, the two seasons after that in League One. Hasn't played so much in the Championship, um, but yeah, good player. And for me, he's a yeah, be interesting. Him and him and ba- um, Bayless are for me very much replacements of Vela. Um, box-to-box yeah. players. Um, he says that he likes to get in the box, create chances and score goals, but he also does the other side of the game. Um, and interestingly, well, he said he drives up, he drove up with Marco and Luke. So I'm not sure where Luke Leahy lives. Obviously, those guys will carpool together, which is quite interesting. But yeah, what's your kind of immediate thoughts on, on Shipley? Well, yeah, he's the one that's been here a month, hasn't he? So they're not quite as immediate as the other ones because <laughs> the other ones have only been here a week. But yeah, I think when Shipley signed, it was exactly the sort of thing we were looking for. I mean, I think initially, I think most people thought, oh, great, that's the number the number 10 sword, isn't it? Who can sit behind a, a couple of strikers and play that role. And I think he can do that. But you're right, for more I've read about it, the more um, flexible, strong um, and defensively minded he could be as well. But I, I genuinely think out of him and Baelish, you'll probably see... Shipley is the more advanced midfielder, Ollie, from kind of reading through their history. So, um, say they're lining up with Alihi, so a free midfield, for example, I think you will probably see Shipley take the lead on that. Um, yeah, it's interesting, you know, he's, he's obviously another, It's, it's there's a few of these players who won things during their career, you know, had promotions and won cups, um, LDV things and all that sort of thing, you know. And so, you know, people with a bit of drive and, and, and determination to kind of maybe re- replicate that, so... Um, he's always played well against us. I think Shipley is another one of those things. It's, I think, it, you know, when I saw these signings coming in, you know, the list of here, it's, it's Dunkley and Shipley. I kind of remember the most as players who did well against us. Obviously, Shipley for Coventry and um, Dunkley for Wigan during the seventeen eighteen season, where he was a. He, I think we went away to Wigan that season, didn't we? And he was amazing at the back, and we didn't quite get a win. But um, yeah, so yeah, Shipley, fan, fantastic. I think he's probably out of these five. I think he's probably my pick of the signing so far, Ollie. Um, so yeah, I was I was most pleased to see him be the first signing. I think it was a nice marker in the. Yeah, interesting whether they. I'm not sure. For me, maybe Dunkley for me is the kind of standout so far. Mm, okay. Um, 
maybe just because his interview was longer, <laughs> um, but yeah, six <laughs> times longer than everyone else's, and he, he spoke really well. Um, for me, he's my um, kind of shout, maybe captain. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we'll come back onto Dunkley in a moment, but yeah, for me, he's kind of my standout. Um, next player we signed um, was was Tom Bayliss, um, which kind of started the ball rolling at the the first day of preseason. Um, mm-hmm. He was really pleased. He said to get the ball over, to get the ball, <laughs> get the ball over the line, get Will the be. contract over the line. Um, he said, yeah, it's been going on for a while. He spoke to the manager at length. And when asked what kind of player he was, he said he's a box-to-box midfielder who likes to run forward with the ball. And that's something that Coventry um, fans have said. And also, um, there's a really interesting interview with Jack Grimmer, who just talks about Tom Bayliss, how he burst on the scene and then went to the championship. Um, and also, Tom Bayliss um, hinted at, he said, the manager doesn't want to be mid-table. So quite a few players have talked about promotion and trying to push on, um, which is which is interesting. Um, but yeah, mm. Tom Bayliss is, looks like a good player, Glenn. And yeah, now obviously, we for me, we've got two direct replacements for Josh Vela. Yeah, I mean, when you look at kind of comparing it to midfield last year, you know, it, you know, if, if Shipley replaced Vela in that role, then Bayliss is technically replacing Davis, I would say. And that's a massive upgrade, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Because, you know, legs, energy, youth. In terms of um, numbers, different types of players, but yeah. To- um, totally different. But, you know, you know you've know, got to look at players like for like, haven't you, I suppose? Um, just in terms of the the, one, the ins and the outs. And so it, it looks like we've got a slightly stronger midfield already, even with just these recruitments. And I wouldn't, maybe wouldn't say we're at the end of recruiting in central midfield either, to be honest with you. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, again, a player with, with vast experience, um, well, a fair bit of experience at a high level as well, which is always helpful. Um, and, yeah, just, you know, places where we've needed numbers and, you know, we're not just bringing in lone players from, from random youth, youth academies that we've never heard of. These are players with proven track records who obviously as you mentioned before have struggled to get football at times in the last few years but definitely you know you, you can't say that these five lads coming in will not have a point to prove in the bit between their teeth will you and that's quite an exciting prospect isn't it for them to be able to think we can all come here band together as a little group of five or six or seven when they come in and you know really show the football world that you know we are still we are still we have still got the ability that we've shown at times in our career and we're going to do business at Shrewsbury so yeah another another one who's got that mould really as you mentioned yeah and um, Tom Tom Bayliss is only 23 as well so he's a bit younger oh, yeah. so yeah. plenty of plenty of years to go so yeah for me he's a he might be the standout player that comes out it'd be interesting to see how he gets on obviously went to Preston there for a few years and was on loan last season at Wigan um, didn't play a lot of games played over 10 um, but yeah, it says a lot that you know Wigan were keen to sign him, and he is part of that group, obviously that did really well in the League One. So I'm um, so that's interesting. Next player is Julian De Costa, uh, again a Coventry link <laughs> on loan. Um, he's we tried to start him, uh, we tried to sign him in January on loan, but he went to Portugal instead. Um, a player came through um from, through the French youth system, um, and yeah, interesting signing, Glyn. Um, yeah, he's, he's he described himself as quite a, a physical right back. He's a good crosser of the ball, um, and he's here because the manager has confidence in him, and that's why he wanted to sign. So yeah, another interesting sign and another Coventry link. A bit of flair as well, from what I'm led to believe, um, and you know, it makes me think back to my my beloved Jermaine Grandison. <laughs> Maybe he's got a few step overs in him as a as an attacking right wing back. We'll we'll find out as we go on. Um, it's interesting actually. Uh, you know, in the football manager database from last season, it's actually Julian De Costa who's the highest rated um, of all these players that we brought in. They're all um, rated pretty highly actually for Shrewsbury Town team. Over 100 out of out of 200, it works in in football manager. So clearly, you know, he's been rated very highly by the researchers who've looked at his data over the years in football manager. So no. That doesn't mean too much, but it's quite an interesting comparison, I thought. Um, but yeah, it, it's you know, it, it's going to mean a bit more um, 
ability to flex things around with Bennett as well, which I think is going to be massively helpful. Um, so, you know, if DaCosta's playing every week, you know, Bennett can fit in wherever with, with injuries and stuff and maybe he'll get a run in central midfield because he's clearly a very talented player. Um, but in terms of in terms of DaCosta, yeah, obviously a physical right back um, with a bit of pace is going to be something particularly helpful. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he goes. It's, it's funny, isn't it, that he kind of decided he'd rather have a hold in Portugal than last season, but still <laughs> still giving us a chance now. Um, so, um, yeah, it would be interesting to see how he develops at, at our club. Um um, but yeah, the, the reports so far that I've read are, are more positive than negative in terms of what he might be able to bring us. So again, not not too worried about this. Um, and even if he is crap, then Bennett can play right back again. It's not the end of the world, is it? <laughs> no, it's good to have a, a genuine option there rather than fudging someone into the position, um, which is obviously something that happened last season. So yeah, that's that for me is a, a good move. Um, yeah, played um, quite a few minutes um, in La Liga 2. In, in France and then um, played um, a thousand minutes in the championship so yeah it comes with um, it comes with not playing a lot of minutes more recently but he has done that in the past so yeah good good solid signing obviously it's good for Bennett to have a bit of competition for that right wing back position but as you said as well Glenn, you know, we've got a small squad and versatility um, that frees Bennett up to compete with um, the lads in midfield which you know if you're going to play with two eights and a city midfielder potentially that's a mm. lot of competition for those eight positions now. You've got Shipley, Leahy, Bennett and Bayliss all competing for yep. those two spots, which yep. is really, really good. Um, so that's positive. Um, so, yeah, anything else on De Costa and those lads before we move on? Well, on De Costa, I suppose, we haven't had very many French players over the years, have we? Um, I think the no. most recent ones, Jeremy Halan springs to mind. And, um, and who was that lad we signed and never played? Grandin, wasn't it? Is it Elliot Grandin no, as well? No, someone else as well, another lad. I can't, I can't remember whose name. I think sounded a rickets yeah. and then never played and then disappeared. I'm, prob- I'm probably missing someone obvious as well. But yeah, it doesn't strike me that we've had many French players who've played a lot of games for us as a football club. So um, chance for him to to kind of uh, be, be the one, I suppose. So um, yeah, there we go. That was the only other observations I had. Cool. And then yeah, Dunkley, um, which is I think it's a really good signing. A centre back um, for me, he's a, I would say a direct replacement for Ebanks Landor. Yes. I'd expect um, Dunkley to play in the middle. As I said, I think he'll be our captain as well. Um, he said he's over the moon to get the deal done. He spoke to the manager a few weeks ago. He had some options, um, but felt this was the right one for him. And um, when asked about, he's he's from um, from the Midlands, from Wolverhampton. Um, started his career um, in non-league, um, did really well at Kiddie and then went into the league. Um, and he was asked, you know, are you going to live in the kind of Wolverhampton area? He said, no, no, I'm going to move closer to Shrewsbury. This is about business. I'd like to be close to where I'm working. Um, and also interesting as well, Glenn, he's, he's, he's good mates with Connor Goldson. He knows Dave Edwards. Um, so we know some people. So we had so obviously did a bit of research before he accepted the the job at Shrewsbury, um, which is which is quite interesting. Um, he describes himself as a committed physical defender who can pick a pass um, and play when he needs to, and he's obviously played a lot of football. And also he mentions he watches a lot of football. So maybe he's a future coach. Who knows? Um, really says he watches a lot of football. Um, he says he knows Udo from a trial at Kiddy. So that's that's going back a bit. He played against Bowman in the Confidence. Um, he did. He did say he's a Wolves fan. We won't hold that against him. Um, well, I don't know. And then yeah, he talked about pre-season. He says um, yeah, there'll be a lot of running, um, but you trust the manager. He knows what he's doing, um, and he's, mm. I'm sure Spain will be really hard. Yeah, he's a player that you know. I I mentioned just a minute ago. I remember because obviously we've come across him a few times, haven't we? In the League One, uh, sorry, League Two seasons when he was playing for Oxford. Um, I think we played against him a couple of times. And then obviously that League One season in seventeen eighteen, where he was instrumental for Wigan in their promotion. Sadly for us, um, particularly as they kicked on towards the end, because he played forty three games in that season in the league for him. Hardly missed a game. Scored seven goals from centre back. Um, and obviously was part of the the team that just pipped us to automatic promotion in the end. So, um. 
I dare I say he owes us one <laughs> for that season, Ollie. So if he can come here and deliver us a promotion that we were denied in seventeen eighteen a few years later, then I think he'll go down as a bit of a legend to us. But um, yeah, he's clearly a, a guy that's um a hard worker as well. You know, starting off in Kidderminster, you know, it's not like he's come you know come come you know come at things the easy way. He's worked his way up from Conference to League Two, League One, and after obviously up to the Championship with Wigan in that season, then. Uh, yeah, not quite had the sort of breakthrough that maybe you would have expected for, for Sheffield Wednesday, really, with their relegation and then the difficulties they had in League Two last, uh, League One last season. So definitely loads to come from him. But, you know, he's a player that sometimes we sign players and you're like, oh, right, that's some, some guy that's played 40 games for crew. Do you know what I mean? Or, whereas I was aware yeah. of who Che, che, che Dunkley was. Um, and it's definitely a, a, a signing that kind of makes you sit back a little bit. Like like you said, I said Chipley might be the most impressive, but definitely Dunkley's um, one of those players that, again, is, is a bit of a statement signing for us as a football club, I think. Um because he's not, he's not that old, is he, Ollie? I don't think he's like ancient. No, he's in his 30s, yeah. So he's, you know, he's still got a fair few years of at the top of his game, really, you would, you would expect. So, um, yeah, no, I, I'm really impressed with Dunkley. And again, you know, I think it's definitely uh, a like for like replacement. And we mentioned it on, on the end of like the season for podcast. Like, but improvement yeah. as well. Yeah, but we mentioned it, didn't we? Specifically on the end of season podcast, we were like, we've got two cultured footballers at centre back now. Pennington and Flanagan are going to have all the ball they want really probably and, and be able to do what they want with it but you still need that guy who's going to be able to bully players and um, yeah he's, he's exactly in that mould and I would agree probably a little bit of an upgrade yeah oh definitely an upgrade I'd say yeah. it's a step up um, and just looking at his stats as well we haven't gone over all the stats I did do those profiles of the players but yeah in that season Glenn in League 1 um, um, 2017-18 he scored 7 goals he had um, 81% yeah. passing um, percentage completion um, wow. obviously a team that dominated games but yeah, and then in terms of his defensive duels, it's always around 70% and his aerial duels as well, pretty solid as well, I mean, the high 60%. Um, so yeah, a defender that's got a good passing, obviously makes a pass when he knows it's sensible to do. Um, but yeah, if he can score a few goals, um, obviously Pennington scores goals from corners as well. Flanagan yeah. uh, scored a goal as well against Sunderland and hopefully we can get a few more goals from set pieces, um, which I think could be a, a key um, weapon in our arsenal this season. Having yep. three genuine targets on a corner, that's going to make it difficult, plus a striker, plus the other lads in the team as well. Um, yeah, there's a lot of targets for set pieces this season. Who's taking corners this season, Ollie? There's no Wally. <laughs> so, no Wally. Like... <laughs> well, yeah, Leahy does a good one, doesn't he? Bennett does yeah, a good one. Bennett was, uh, you Bennett was my Shipley man. Shipley and Bayliss um, will be... Um, we'll be um, requesting one as well. Um, you know, obviously, we've signed Acosta as well. He says he's got a good cross. Obviously, we'll see how that mm. works out. So, yeah, um, definitely, um, definitely a sense of optimism um, and some options um, in this department. Shipley's got a good free kick on him as well, from what I was reading. I did mean to mention that, but yeah, he scored a few free kicks contrary over the years. So um, yeah, maybe he'll be he'll be one that's on set pieces. But yeah, we'll we'll find out when we as pre-season develops and we see who's yeah. kind of taking bits and bobs. Um, so go on, that's number that's four four impressive signings, and then what do we complete it with on uh, on was it Thursday this week? Yeah, we um we managed to wind up one of the most sensitive fan bases in the division um, <laughs> by signing a player from Portsmouth who um, they thought that they were going to sign. Um, yes, yeah, so we signed Aidan O'Brien, another player that's played. Um, in the championship, played a lot of games in the championship for Millwall. Mm. Um, went to Sunderland, didn't do well that so well at Sunderland. But let's to be honest, you know how many players can say that have gone to Sunderland yeah. and not done so well because it's a bit of a mad mad club until um, obviously this last season when they kind of got their house in order. So yeah, Aidan O'Brien, an international player as well. Um, he's six foot. Um, 
yeah, I'm not sure exactly exactly what type of player he is. If I'm perfectly honest, I didn't have the chance to ask. Kind of, yeah, ran out of time in terms of to ask a Millwall fan or whatever what their opinion is. But yeah, a player that's got high potential, a player that can come in and do something for us. Um, and yeah, an interesting signing and a signing that um, you know, with obviously Shipley and Bayliss and then DeCosta and then particularly Dunkley and then O'Brien. You know, like Shipley. Um, O'Brien and Dunkley have definitely caught the attention of um, the kind of the neutrals and the opposition fans in the league, mm. um, which caught, everyone's kind of caught their eye. So yeah, really good signing here, Glenn, and good to get another striker on board as well. Yeah, I, I personally, as soon as he signed, I was getting some Grant Holt vibes from this signing, and not because of his current goal scoring record, which, to be honest with you, isn't, isn't the best when you look at it. You know, in 188 games for Millwall, he only scored 34 goals. So I had a bit of a look into it. And the, the reason being is he is not an out and out forward striker like a Grant Holt. So no. maybe that comparison is not fair. What I meant was it's a signing of a bit of intent in terms of a striker. I mean, how many times do we bring in, you know, strikers who've had a good run at it in the Championship and have been playing regularly and a reasonable age like 28 Grant Holt was 28 when he signed for us wasn't he so it was kind of yeah. that comparison more really I think in terms of what excitement what rather than yeah like, like yeah and the, the exactly. clubs say that he's a he could play that yeah he's a he's a player that plays in the half spaces he's either play exactly. left wing or right wing um he might if we play four and um, three four three he could play one of those um attacking positions um alongside like a Doe or Bowman and another man a central striker um, mm. You know, he's, he had um, 1,600 minutes um, for Portsmouth last season, scored six goals um, yep. from um, from 4xG, you know, 4.7xG, so that's good. Again, outperforming his XG and also came up with two assists as well in half a season, which ain't too bad um, in a Portsmouth side that weren't exactly rocking. Um, so, no. yeah, for me, he's, he's a good signing. And, yeah, I think it's quite funny that we managed to steal him from Pompey. And, yeah, a lot of very disgruntled Pompey fans going, how are, how are they signed for a team like Shrewsbury? Or how can mm-hmm. we lose lose players to teams like Shrewsbury, which is always quite funny. Yeah, and, and you know, looking into it a bit more, he's he's a hard-working, slightly deeper striker, which is, um you know, which is kind of in the mould of our strikers, isn't it? You can't criticise Bowman or Odo's work rate, can you, in, in the last season? They put it in there. So I think, you know, we want a cluster of strikers who are just going to run themselves into the ground and work hard for the op- for, for, your, for your teammates, basically. And that's what he is. He's, he's that sort of player. He'll chase down the channels. He'll win corners. He'll har- harass and harry a bit like Bowman. But, um you know, so, yeah, sort of slightly different physique, I suppose. Um, so yeah, so uh, that's kind of what I've heard about him, and yeah, I say it's, it's it's again a little bit of a statement sign in terms of a striker for Shrewsbury. We don't often do this sort of thing, so um, I'm hoping he kicks on. To be honest with you, if he gets 10, 10 11 goals, that will be a decent season for him. Looking at his record, and it certainly would have um, probably p- p- pleased most fans in terms of the signing. So yeah, just great to really annoy Portsmouth about it. I do agree with that one, Ollie. That was uh, hilarious. And as I say, it's always a good sign when fans are a bit miffed they've lost a player. Um, so we should take that as a positive. Um, and yeah, 28. As I say, few few good years left in him as well so um you know if he kicked on the season was amazing there's potential resale value there next season who, who knows but um yeah it's it's nice to see we've got a little bit of uh value in the squad now yeah and we talked about obviously we've talked about the themes in the players as well and one thing that's definitely clear they all seem to be players that are physical uh, and yeah good runners um so yeah continues that trend of that yeah steve quattro likes more physical players mm-hmm. and players that can run um, he's not. He doesn't really sign too many lightweights, does he? Um, so yeah, yeah, another good sign and a bit more competition, and for Bowman a doe um, and blocks him up front. I still yeah. wouldn't be surprised if we sign another striker, Grant. Um, I wouldn't yeah, be surprised if we sign goes. another one. Um, well, 
Yeah, I don't really <laughs> count Pike. Um, yeah, he, yeah, he's not he's not League One level at the moment. Um, not quite no, ready but... for our first team, I don't think so. But no. yeah, I think you're right. I think we need need another striker. Um, maybe someone like Charlie Kane gets a bit of a loan spell or something to Telford or something. I need some minutes. Yeah, I can't. I can't. That's why I genuinely can't see us getting another striker unless Pike was to go. It's essentially, we've got Pike, Caton, Bloxham, uh, O'Brien, Ado, and and B- B- Bowman now. There's six strikers on the books now. I don't think you can really carry seven across the season, and we might not necessarily get rid of Pike. So they can't guarantee he's gonna. They're gonna be able to shift him out. So I think there is a little bit of horse training to do there. There, but I, I, you know, if Pike goes, I still see us carry six. I just I think seven would be too much. So um, yeah, we'll have to wait and see what happens with some more outgoings. Really, um, where we I really really hope we sign um, Oliver from Gillingham. Mm. Proper 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 target man who can score a few goals. Um, he's he's thirty. He scored ten goals last season in a in a relegated um, Gillingham side. Yeah, he's a, a monster when it comes to winning aerial duels. Um, he'd be an amazing option, I think, into the squad. And mm. yeah, and I know we've been after him before. And for for me, if we sign him, um, yeah, he'd be a, a great signing. But we'll come to who we need to sign a bit later on. Yeah. Okay, dokie. There we go. And uh, yeah, that's it. That's that's the new signings. Do you know? I mean, the last thing I want to say on this, Ollie, is you know the most uh, problematic thing about all these signings is Tom Bayliss because. He looks exactly the same as Luke Leahy. <laughs> and they're both going to be playing in central midfield together, Ollie. So people are going to be getting them confused or every day when we have games this season. Maybe one of them needs a haircut. Thank, yeah, one of them needs to get rid of the curtains. That's for sure, Ollie. But um, yeah, hopefully the numbers on their back will help us a little bit. But yeah, they look identical. It's really weird. So um, yeah, and they're mates, aren't they? So um, it's a bit of a strange one on on, uh, on nights out when they might go out with each other. They must uh, must think they're twins or something. But um, I thought that was quite funny. Yeah, there's a few photos knocking around that people might have seen where they just look identical. It's really odd. But um, there we go. All in all, please pleased with everything we've done so far in terms of the players coming in. Um, but we're not done, and let's not pretend we are. No, no, we need to sort a few more. We'll come back to that. But yeah, let's have a little chat about pre-season, um, and then yeah, let's let's answer let's answer a few a few topics around the club off the field as well. And then we've got some some good questions from um, some guys off Twitter, which is um, yeah appreciated. Did well to get a foot in. Here's Hackett. Tried the shot. So not only were we signing players early at the start of the week, we decided to finally announce our pre-season plans, which crumbled within three days. Um, <laughs> so initially, uh, well, obviously they are now, they've flown off um, to Spain um, for a training camp. Um, but they did return to pre-season on the 27th, um, six days at the training ground. You probably just did your fitness tests and some of the early ball work, I suppose. And then, yeah, flew out yesterday um, on the Saturday. Um, we're calling this on the Sunday, uh, Saturday the 2nd of July, went out to Spain Um for a training camp out there um, in hot weather and, and they won't be back to the 9th of July so only a week out there um, and then after that I think people knew about the uh, friendly we were going to have against Telford um, that's on the Tuesday the 12th and then we are welcoming Cardiff City on the 19th um, and I think, wasn't there a game against Burnley somewhere as well I think they announced I can't quite remember we missed that off the agenda if, if it's true or not I think there was someone saying there might be a behind closed doors friendly at Burnley but um, maybe that one hasn't been confirmed but in between all of this while we were in Spain we were supposed to be playing a game against um, Coventry um, that's what uh, that's what Mr Mr Cottrell told us at the end of season awards night that didn't happen um, because Coventry pulled out of it and ended up playing someone else I think um, or the training camps were a little bit too far away for it to work logistically not too sure why and then we arranged uh, another game didn't we Ollie against a team from what country Qatar <laughs> so yeah uh, 
it's been a bit controversial, hasn't it? Um, and obviously that game is now not happening. Um, and then they they rearranged the game with Crawley Town the next day, and then that game got cancelled. So clearly, SC, well, Qatar SC, who are a team who play in the Qatar Premier League, basically, which I imagine is not a great quality. I don't know. I don't know much about the Qatar <laughs> Qatar Football League, Ollie. Um, but yeah, um, called off for. Well, we don't really know the specific reasons it got called off. Um, there was obviously some some feedback from from some of our fans and our fan groups um, in terms of the the necessities of playing teams from Qatar and and some of the sensitivities around that. Um, but we put out a statement the next day saying we would uh, kind of support some of our um, some of our groups, didn't we? And then yeah, it it just got cancelled the next day. There's no real clear reason why it specifically got cancelled though. Whether they cancelled it at their end for for our plans or, or we cancelled it, it's not not quite clear why that got called off in the end, is it? Yeah, so it was um, yeah, it was a statement um, from Paris Salopians, wasn't yep. it, that triggered this discussion? Um, yeah, a good, really well written, thought out statement, kind of highlighting some of the concerns that they had about Shrewsbury Town um, playing um, a team from Qatar. Um, we're not going to go into the details of Qatar; most people will know about it. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, I felt very uncomfortable when the game was announced. Um, I actually regret not saying something at the time. I saw it, and I nearly did, and I didn't. I probably, I wish I had actually known hindsight, made a comment about it, but I didn't. Um, and then, yeah, I think they, I think it's the right outcome in the end. Um, I can understand if you're frustrated if you got your timings wrong. Not timings wrong, sorry, that's the wrong way of putting it. If your timings mean that you don't get to see the players and, and that now. I think if you are going out there and, and your flights work and you know it doesn't matter, it's been moved to the morning, I think you get a much better deal. Um, you're going to go to an open training session and you're going to meet the players, um, which I think is a much, much better deal than... Um, watching a, a, a useless friendly against a team from a, um, a quite a poor league. Um, so I think the fans that are going are probably going to get a much better deal, but I understand the frustration in terms of the timing. Um, but yeah. I think overall, Glenn, um, the right outcome has been has, has been made. Um, Crawley came to the same decision as well. Watford were going to play them. They made the same decision as well. Um, so yeah, I think we've got to, got there in the end, but I think it's a bit, a bit of a lesson for Shrewsbury in terms of decisions they make um, and maybe planning pre-season. Um, but yeah, caused a lot of angst and I think some people were how to put this I think a lot went off a little bit too much in terms of um you know criticizing people and stuff um but yeah it's all kind of all been put to bed now and yeah hopefully it's something we can all learn from yeah, I mean, God, every, every, everyone, our fan base is a broad church, isn't it? Of very different yeah. people from different backgrounds with different experiences and different lived lived experiences and different, you know, aspirations, I suppose, about what what life should and shouldn't be like. And Christ, you're never going to get everyone to agree to every, any, anything on a, on, a, on a sensitive issue like this, which is a, a shame in some respects, depending on how you look at it, I suppose. But um, I think not playing the game, I would agree with you, is the, is the right course of action. And it would have been, it would have been a pretty grim day for the club playing that game to be honest with you, I think um, and maybe we've got what most I think maybe 50 people going out there so it is a real shame for those um, you know some of our more famous fans that people are aware of it's, it is annoying that everything's been messed around and there isn't a game now but I, I would agree you know meeting the players in an open training session getting to speak to Steve Cottrell potentially that's better than just a kick around which which would have only been like one of those stupid really early hearted Probably, pre-season yeah, yeah 20 minutes sex, probably probably I agree. game played in thirds it would have been yeah and it would have just and it's not a proper stadium when you look at it it's you know so there's there's benefits and negatives about what what the changes changes are as a result of it but um for me I, I think it's a lesson for the club like you said yeah take it right back to the start is there are two things about this one why on earth did they ever think really playing anyone from Qatar would have been a good idea that wouldn't have ever got negative feedback i mean i would have thought that at the time you know there is a lot of sensitivities around it particularly 
the three or four days before we announced it, Watford had cancelled their game against the Qatar national team and set out a, a number of reasons why they'd done that. So felt a little bit like a bit of a, a blunder to just kind of walk into that um, unnecessarily when potentially you could have played like a local semi-pro team and got as much out of that training game as you would have played that, that SC Qatar. So, um, yeah, that's it, the lesson. And I think... Um, Protolopians made this in their statement, but just communication. Um, it's funny. We had a, a supporters' parliament meeting back in uh, the very end of the season, and then nothing happens. Like the club just sort of shuts down, doesn't it, for like three months? Um, so anything that's been going on in the background is happening through the supporters' liaison officers. But as fans that are not supporters' liaison officers, we're not, you know, kind of getting any insight to that um, outside of supporters' parliament meetings, which haven't been happening. So maybe had pre-season plans been organised earlier, they'd set this out at the last SP meeting. There would have been a bit more of a, of a way of kind of raising the issues earlier, and maybe not, you know, getting. Into this problem seven days before the game was supposed to happen so not great timing I'm sure Cottrell's a little bit fuming about it but um, right decision I think I would agree with you on that one Ollie um, in this circumstance and, and we don't we don't end up with that kind of little stain in our, in our copybook down the line then yeah just sort of just kind of stain in this area um, I was going to ask this question later on but I'll ask it now because it kind of links to something you just said there the club shuts down a little bit not all clubs that have, have shut down as quite uh, as much as Shrewsbury there's a question no. from James Archer Glenn why are the fans being kept at art length, arm's length in pre-season? I used to look forward to the videos and the pics the first day back, um, and he says he feels quite alienated as a, as a season ticket holder. Um, and I think that's a fair comment. You know, there's been other clubs have done videos and the manager and the season, the fixtures came out. Um, you normally would hear from the manager in, in the first week of pre-season, and we haven't heard anything from the manager at all. Um, it does it does seem a little bit different to, to what we've used, been used to and also what we've seen from other teams. It's, it's a difficult one to say. I mean, let's be honest, this preseason is not great for fans. I mean, there's no open day. This is another complaint people have had on top of what you just mentioned is that where's the chance for us to bring, you know, young kids down to the, to the team and meet the team and do a tour of the ground like we did, you know, before COVID. You know, I remember my kids, one of the things that's got them hooked was the open days we've had. Um, so, you know, nothing happening this year at all. You know, we've got one preseason game at home to Cardiff on the 19th of July. And as it stands, that's less than a week, two weeks away. No announcement that's going to be an open day or there's anything there for, for fans to kind of re-engage with the club. Other complaints I've read, this club shop's just been kind of ad hocly open. It's been difficult to buy, you know, tickets. There's been no information about, um, you know, new season ticket cards really other than, oh, we'll get it sorted. But, you know, we're 27 days to start the season, Ollie, and we all need new season ticket cards. It's leaving that a bit late, isn't it? So I think there are a few legitimate complaints about updates and, and communication and, and kind of keeping fans engaged with what's going on. One thing I would say is um unfortunately for the for the for the um uh, for the media team, you know, the Shoot Town uh, media team that kind of put out all the information and maybe start to bring these things together is that they're losing another member of staff. Um, so obviously last season I sat down with Matt Burgess, um, I sat down with Lewis Paul and I sat down with um, Scott Demerling as the three lads who were running the, the media team last season and I? I had a really good chat with them. Well, they'll all be gone by the start, time this season starts because Scott's leaving and, and Matt and, and Lewis have already left. So yeah, there's two new lads, I think Johnny, Drake and I, I apologise, I've forgotten the second lad's name now, but um, they're in now, they've been kind of brought in, but yeah, they're down to two members of staff. So even then there's probably a little bit of a, of a resource squeeze on that team in terms of trying to communicate and get information out and um, you know, try and nail a manager down um, when you, you've not been doing the job too long at the club. So yeah, there's probably a few reasons well, for the Scott's communication. Scott's still there, isn't he? working his notice. He's been on all day though in the last couple of weeks. I'm led to okay. believe so. Maybe that maybe that feeds into it a bit. But it doesn't stop anyone doing a two minute interview with the manager, um, talking a little bit about player signings and they've done some great work over the summer. Um, I, yes, I, they have. Yeah, it's a great work. Um, but while that's fantastic let's be honest like if you do an interview with the manager about player recruitment and strategy or an interview with, with Keith Burt 
that's going to get a lot of views, a lot of interaction, and a lot of interest from the Shooter Town fans. Um, so yeah, mm. I think I think maybe this is just Cottrell's style. He's not, you know, he's not a big one on the media, so maybe that's why. Um, but it is a bit concerning. So many people are leaving the club, uh, but let's not go into that too much. Yeah, it's a bit of an odd one, isn't it? And you're right. The, the whole thing comes down to whether Steve Cottrell wants to do this sort of thing. It's not. It's not like I doubt our media team have asked him to do it. I, I, if I was to suggest why we haven't heard from Steve Cottrell, I would suggest it's because Steve Cottrell did not want to be heard from at this point in time and wants to settle down and get on with pre-season. Maybe that's a fair enough comment. But yeah, it's quite quite a weird, unique thing not to have heard of him or had. Any interviews, but there we go. Each manager is different. Maybe we're just not used to it because we've had managers of different varieties over the last couple of years. And but a bit of an odd one, I would agree with you there. But um, yeah, it's, it's still a fair fair comment, I suppose. I mean, just the last thing we we're going to touch on really on, on preseason quickly was yeah, we, we just mentioned there we do need season ticket cards, and that's a bit of an interesting one. We're twenty seven days to go, but with twenty seven days to go, Ollie, um, we don't know what kit we're playing in yet either. <laughs> Which is a bit of a, a bit of a late one again, isn't it? And obviously it the club is, have and it's out. a frustrating one. It's one that triggers fans when you see, yeah, Welsh non-league teams having unbroke <laughs> kits and stuff. It's, yeah. um, it's quite funny. <laughs> Yeah, it's a bit of an odd one, and and to be fair, you know Brian has sort of set his stall out in his last kind of update video he did, which is worth watching um, to all town fans if you've not seen it. I think it's on the club website on on iFollow. But um, yeah, it's pretty clear that there are some issues, and they're trying to resolve these issues. Um, and if you remember, Ollie, I said to you on a podcast towards the end of last season when we had the last sports parliament meeting that Brian was saying, well, we've had some designs come back, um, but we've sent them back to Umbro um, for a few little tweaks and changes to it, and this was in April. So I'm not surprised the kit isn't being delivered particularly soon. I feel like, you know, tweaking around with badge designs and, and designs of shirts is probably not something you should still be doing in April. Do you know what I mean? Considering logistical problems because of the COVID and Brexit and all of the other issues we've got with global supply chains, it feels like we maybe left that a little bit too late personally. Um, because when we originally talked about the kit issues we had last season, uh, you know, Brian was adamant that it's all be sorted by November and November and October the year before. So... I found that a bit odd, and I suspect that probably leads into why we haven't announced our kit and why we don't currently have any kit. But it is a bit crap. I mean, the the, the, the retro shirt is amazing. I wore it to the to cricket yesterday, Ollie. Um, went to Edgeston. Three people in the day came up and said, "That's amazing. I love that shirt. It's really good." You know, it's like it's quite an iconic look, and with the Umbro kind of things down the side of it, it really does look quite quite cool. To be fair. But, you know, the deal with Umbro's still not paying off, is it? That we've still not got a, a, two new kits off them for this season, and I don't know. And, and there's more problems with getting the kit. It just. How much do Umbro care about us? That's, it's beginning to be a bit of a, of a concern of mine, Ollie. Yeah, we don't obviously know the, um, the ins and outs of why, why it's delayed. I think um, maybe a bit like signings, you know, it could be that we just need to wait a little bit and then, you know, we might have this amazing kit and it might be all ready just in time. However, oh, yeah, sure be good. Um, yeah, right now it's a bit disappointing. And, and also it's summer. It's the kind of time of the year when you can actually wear a, um, a t-shirt <laughs> um, so maybe it's, it's a shame that you know fans can't buy the shirt and yeah can't buy kids um, the new kit for the new season and go to the yeah you know because people want to wear the kit for the you know, first pre-season games and, and the first um, game of the season fingers crossed and um, we don't have a um, an awkward um, start to the season where we're playing in a different kit fingers crossed that doesn't happen well it's only <laughs> it's two weeks till we play Telford I could see us playing in our old yeah. kit at Telford the way it's going and um, who knows what we're wearing in Qatar good job good job they're not having a game now really because they won't be and there's all the whole thing about bloody training kit and stuff you know last year's was just off the peg training kit you know if this year's umbro kit is off the peg training kit again it's going to be crap you know one of the things that you know the club sold us on the umbro deal was that we get bespoke stuff and get bespoke you know training wear that's you know fashionable to wear umbro's a reasonable brand i suppose isn't it for that sort of thing and we haven't had anything of the like have we and you look at some of the stuff they're doing for like huddersfield
Sheffield and some of the other clubs that they've got deals with. They're getting good stuff that you'd probably want to buy if it was branded Shrewsbury Town and fashionable stuff. And the training kit last year was awful. And the one this year that I think has just gone up on the club website, it's just a simple, boring, plain-looking blue kind of tracky top again. There's no, no real kind of style about it compared to what they're doing for other clubs. So... I don't know. Maybe you have to pay more to get that. I don't know. Or, or there's other things involved. But it just maybe they just don't think they'll sell enough stuff at Shrewsbury Town. But they've never really given us a good line of merchandise to sell so far. So I'm not sure how they've tested the water on that. But it, I don't know. Yeah, I just we, want to. I think I'd just to jump in there, Glenn. It's hard to know who's at fault here. But um, yeah, I don't know. We don't no, know. I'm, I'm saying they're probably both trying. at fault. Yeah, and I don't disagree with you. The kit will probably look quite nice when it comes along. It'll be a blue and amber striped shirt. I'm 99% sure of that, but um, that'll, that'll tick a lot of boxes for me. But yeah, I just, you know, we need to see it at some point, don't we? And and kit is something that gets people ruminated. And then a lot of this comes back to, you know, the fact that as a kid, you know, we used to be able to produce and manufacture our shirts to be able to be sold pretty much straight away into the summer. So that by the time you had your, your summer holidays, you could have your new Shrewsbury shirt, you you know, you had it going into the season. You know, there's there was that part of it now. We've just lost that over the last sort of five, six years. Kits come in so late it's you know logistically difficult to get things made nowadays and it just you know i think a lot of clubs have slipped into the same problems i don't think shoes pretend are unique but yeah it just seems that kits are getting delivered later and later into seasons and i reckon i reckon in 27 days when the season starts holly the club shop will open and i'll have like eight tops in there and that'll be it <laughs> sell them out and then they'll wait for some more stuff to come in but they'll well, technically have a kit because yeah, exactly be frustrating again if people miss out you know, the women's team didn't get kits for ages last year, did they? But there we go. Um, Kit, there we go. I've had my sound kit. I want to see one this week. Let's get I've on with it. I've had your kit, Rant. You've been storing <laughs> yes. that up for months. <laughs> exactly. One of my uh, things that always ruminates me, but there we go. Um, That's it, Ollie. We've got some fan questions to wrap this one up with. And then, yeah, there was one thing, wasn't there, about the tickets, cards and stuff, was maybe a bit was for those who aren't aware. You need new, you've got a new ticket system, haven't we? So you need to get a new season ticket card um, to make sure you get in the ground. I don't know. I think we'll all have paper tickets on the first day of the season. It seems 27 days to get them all made up and sent out is a bit of a, an ambitious target, but who knows? They might deliver them. We're certainly not going to have those cards for pre-season and be able to work anything there. So um, I think it'll be like digitally printed paper tickets for, for pre-season or, or tickets from the club, I suppose. But um, yeah, new system, no no Gateman anymore, digital scanning in and all that sort of thing for anyone that missed it. So um, yeah, we'll need a, a QR code, barcode type thing. Uh, well, a QR code scanning card, I think. Um, so yeah, I guess keep an eye on, on the club for news on that um because they should be coming soon yep so yeah fingers crossed all these things come together i'm mm. sure they will um just in time um and yeah we had some fan questions glenn um so and um, first question um first question came in from um from carl b um, and where do we where else do we need to strengthen i think we could do with another kind of backup center back option ollie um and someone maybe with a bit of a left defensive minded thing, just because, you know, we can move Nurse around, can't we, between left back and, and centre back. Um, but, you know, you, you either want someone, another centre back, so we don't have to keep moving Nurse around, or we want a specific left wing back or a left back so that Nurse can play centre back a bit more when people are out. So, yeah, that would give us a lot of flexibility, I think, um, either a left sided defence, defended centre back or a left wing back, something like that. I think that's probably the, the biggest weakness left in the squad. Um, there's clearly lots of places we could kind of continue to pack the squad out and bulk up in certain respects, but maybe, maybe that's kind of the key point I suppose I'd be looking at this week, next week, um, uh, to kind of recruit, I suppose. Cool. And um, for me, I'd want us to get a, a, a an attacking left wing back. I think Nurse is a good player, but someone like a, you know a direct replacement for a better someone who can go past someone, someone with a bit of pace. So I think that would be really great if we got a, a, a genuine attacking left wing back. Then that'd be great. I think you agree with you, Glenn. With him, we need a bit more strength at central defence. But that depends whether Craig is ready. If Craig's ready for first team football, then we that's already sorted. Um, and then going forward, I think we st- I would still like to see a genuine number ten. 
and also I think another striker as well. Um, so for me, that I think that's where we want to strengthen. Whether we'll sign sign four players, I'm not sure if we'll do that. But they're the areas I like us to see us um, see us um, strengthen. Um, in terms of other questions, Glyn, um, so a question from Cal. How well are Keith, Burt and Cottrell doing in terms of repairing the fans' perception of their transfer policy and strategy? And could it actually be repaired fully um, by the end of this window? Well, yeah, that would be my answer. Ask me in two weeks. <laughs> it's, you know, it's gone well so far. Um, but if we were to just, you know, stick here and do something similar to what we did last summer, which was basically then go another month after those initial draft of signings and not sign anyone and then still be left with a few gaps, then, you know, you would probably say that we've had a similar problem to last summer. So a bit early to tell. Clearly, early signs are good. We talked about the quality that he's brought in. Um and obviously the quality is retained. Um, we've almost got a bit more of a balanced squad already, I would say, than what we were at this point last summer, Ollie. So that's a positive. Um, so yeah, a couple more signings in the right positions. And I think you probably could say that that's repaired a little bit of the damage. Um, and we didn't get relegated last year. So there wasn't wasn't a huge amount of damage in the end anyway, I guess. So um, that's fine. Quite well, Keith Burt's input into all of it is. We will never know, Ollie. And whether he's the man that's finding all these players and delivering all of them, you know, as, as a nice package to Brian and Steve to just tick. Or Steve is more involved and, and Burt's just a kind Kind of initial talent identifications role we don't quite know do we really to be honest with you but um, no. yeah definitely a chance that's why it'd be nice to have an interview with and find out yeah. his role um, yeah. but yeah in my response I'd say I thought I think they've done a good job so far this summer if you just look at this summer just in isolation figure out the other seasons they're doing they're, they're on par and you have no concerns would you if, the, if this was their first season first summer you're thinking oh this is good you know we signed some quality players and looks like the squad's rebuilding and we've got some players in time for pre-season in terms of rebuilding the faith, I totally agree with you. We need to kind of wait for the window to close. Um, you know, if we start losing players uh, and then we're going backwards, you know, I don't know, say we, we lost a Pennington to a, a bigger League One or um, Championship side, um, you know, we lost a Doe, um, you know, someone came in with a million pound bid, then we'd be going backwards. So, yeah, I think we need to wait on this, but definitely a movement in the right direction. Yeah, maybe not just for the end of the window, but, but 10 games into the season, like we always sell, like just see how things settle down. Because a few of these players have got a little bit of injury-prone issues. We didn't mention it when talking about positives, but a few of them have had a little few niggles that have kept them out of football over the last couple of years as well. So if those were to kind of get picked up straight away into the season, you'd, you'd kind of factor that into the, the what we're doing, really. But yeah, you know, 10 games in, I think we can give a better judgment on that, and we usually do, don't we? Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. Um, and yeah, so yeah, a couple of questions. Thanks um, for guys sending those through. I'm probably running out a bit of time now. We've been going on quite a bit, as we always do. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, I think this, it's been a, a good start to pre-season so far, Glenn. Um, hopefully we can see some videos of the players, um, you know, in, in their in their um, training camp. I think that's the best way to describe it in Spain. And hopefully we get to hear from the manager the next week as well. I think we probably will, Ollie. I was talking to um, yeah, I think so. two two of the media lads uh, that I say Scott to Anne I was talking to the other two media lads on a on a on a Facebook chat this week because um, we were just sort of sorting out some of the stuff that I need to do for stats this year, um, helping them out with that sort of thing. Um, and I said, Are you guys going to Spain?" And they're both going out, uh, so they're they're there with them. So you know, I imagine they'll be there to capture footage, you know, do some content, get some interviews. So I suspect we'll get a few bits this week. It might not be as yeah. um, much as we used to do because of maybe the manager and, and his limitations on things at the moment but we'll definitely if get both something both of them have gone out there that's a, that's a good yeah. sign isn't it's it it's a good sign yeah yeah so and it's nice to get a little holiday for them as well isn't it so <laughs> that'd be nice but yeah so I think we'll get a bit more content and um, in terms of the podcast obviously we're back now season season 7 episode 1 um, in the bank um, but we are thinking about the next episode obviously we won't get back to our usual obviously it's Sunday for this episode we'll put it out on Monday but we'll probably get back to our usual Sunday um, post-Saturday games uh, routine when the season starts but pre-season is usually a bit more of a movable feast um, and we've still got holidays to have haven't we Ollie I think so yeah. I think the next time 
time we will come back will be after that game um, at Telford on the 12th um, because I think yeah. me, well, I'm definitely going and you might go. So it'll give us our first chance to come back and talk about any new signings since then, um, any other things that have gone on off the pitch and also our first you know, view of these new players in a pre-season game with a little bit more meat to it than what's going to be going on in Spain. So um, yeah, that'll be the next chance for us to turn one, Ali. Yeah, yeah, we'll try and hopefully we'll do two more podcasts before pre-season. We'll definitely do the prediction podcast where we obviously always get Chris, Tom and, and Dan on to discuss the season and do our, our predictions. It'll be interesting to see who Chris is going to put as his dark horse. It's always a, it's either a, always a big hit or a big miss with Chris. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it'd be good to get get those guys on and get their opinion. And yeah, as you say, then we'll get back into the yeah the weekly podcast as we go through the season. And yeah, obviously we'll talk about predictions in the other pod, but yeah. Um, pre-season is going to be big obviously for, for Steve Cottrell and yeah first 10 games of the season are going to be huge um, but yeah looking forward to it now and there's definitely an air of optimism among the fan base at the moment yeah I would agree with that actually I, I say I went to the cricket yesterday on the train with uh, all my mates that are all town fans all go pretty much every week and um, you know we started talking about the season we were doing that usual thing of, of kind of meeting up for the first time since the fixtures came out and running through and we'd, we've booked a hotel in uh, Sheffield for the Sheffield Wednesday away game so we're going to go up on the Friday night have a night out go to Sheffield Wednesday um, in, on the Saturday and then come home so that's planned in we were looking at trying to do Forest Green so I think a few of us have agreed to go in the car down to Forest Green because we've never been there um, but we all wanted to go to Derby um, and one of the lads who was on on a, on the on the day out yesterday, um, called Justin Clackart. Um, he's getting married, uh, and his stag party's on the weekend of Derby away. So I, I will still not have been to Pride Park. So I'm pretty much hoping Ollie that Derby don't go up this year, um, and we can play them next year. I'm assuming we won't go up. So yeah, um, there we go. <laughs> big big transition on Derby, isn't it? It's a, it's an interesting yeah. one. That we'll see risk that they were gonna, yeah, maybe not even make the season. Obviously, it's it is frustrating as a as a fan of Shrewsbury Town to see that these teams seem to get preferential treatment. Um, when you think of other teams, you know Bolton and, and Berry, how close they were. Um, obviously, it's great for the Derby fans, uh, but yeah, I, I I do hate to see these clubs take the piss. You know they've you know broken financial play rules. They've they've been running a, a loss. Um, yeah, playing pissing around with um, messing around with their stadium ownership to to break rules. And fingers crossed, the new owner um, puts them on a on a sensible path. And yeah, I imagine you know. People might say, oh my God, Derby is spending a load of money. It's worth knowing they've got like 25,000 season ticket holders. They're yeah. really, probably the best supported club in the division now. So the new owner's fairly wealthy. He owns a business that makes like £20 million a year profit. So he's not poor, but um, I don't think he'd be spending money like Mel, Mel Morris was. Um, so yeah, Derby Derby probably going to be an interesting feast. It's almost a bit like, remember that season when we had, was it Bolton were playing their kids and then they signed a load of players in January? It might be a little bit like that. You know, if you play Derby early in the season, they're probably going to be a different beast to when you play them um, next April. Yeah, so we've got Which them does very ruin early. The competition. Not ruin the competition, that's too extreme, but it does um, It does kind of, yeah, it gives you an advantage if you play Derby early. And yeah, it's one I want to go. I've been to Pride Park quite a few times, but it's definitely one I want to go to as a Shrewsbury Town fan. Yeah, it's uh, it's we've got them very early and very late, haven't we? We've got them like first month, last month. But um, yeah, it's funny. I, I totally agree with everything you just said. Then I hopefully I I say I you know they need a bit of humbling. A year a year or two in League One would be lovely, I think. So I'll I'll, I'll be hoping for that this season as my bitter football fan comes out. But I shouldn't have um Derby on my list of ninety two that I haven't done yet, which is quite a short list now. Um, because we played them in the League Cup, then we back in I'm gonna say two thousand and nine. I want to say it was before we played Arsenal, but I can't quite remember. Um, but I was bloody sick and I couldn't go to that game, which is annoying. So um, it's one of the few League Cup games. I've missed over the years um, so yeah I shouldn't have it on my list but I still do and I won't be able to knock it off this year either so that's annoying um, but there we go I will, we'll leave this podcast
podcast there with my lament- lamenting not being able to go to Derby. But um, yeah, it's good to be back all. Um, I'm looking forward to this season. Um, I always look forward to every season, despite what people think about me sometimes. Um, so yeah, I'm desperate to get back into it. And let's see how we got in the next couple of 10 days. And uh, yeah, we'll re- revisit things and talk about some live football next time, Ollie. And that'll be grand. Yeah, you know, looking forward to the season ahead and yeah, fingers crossed we score some goals and you have lots of fun to and lots of wins and a lot a bit of fun to talk about and yeah, feels like we're gonna go that way this season. <laughs> Best <laughs> we'll, I'll clip that. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, we'll see how we get on. But uh, yes, I will we'll, thanks for listening everyone and uh, yeah, we'll catch you after that Telford game sometime. Um and yeah, enjoy enjoy another couple of weeks of the summer. Oh!